Welcome to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. Welcome back to the newest episode of the Untitled Investment Talk. As always, with my great co-host, Carl Michael. Carl Michael, thanks for being here with me today. Hi, Simon. Pleasure as always. And today we have some very special golden guests on the show. We have Incrementum's very, very own Ronnie Stifferle and Mark Wallach. Ronnie and Mark, thanks for being here with us tonight. Pleasure. Hi, guys. Good evening, gentlemen. Amazing. So maybe we could kick things off and you guys tell us a little bit more about really Incrementum, your fund's overarching investment thesis, what it's all about and what you guys are really doing at Incrementum. Well, if I may start, we're an asset manager based in Liechtenstein. We're doing three def different things. We publish research. Most of you probably have heard of the Ungold We Trust report. Yeah, a report that we're writing for 15 years now, analyzing the gold market and all factors driving gold. But we also, of course, analyze inflation, deflation, the macro world, of course, central bank actions and so on published every year in end of May in German, English, Mandarin, and starting this year also in Spanish. So that's the research part. Then we do wealth management for high net worth individuals, mostly from the German-speaking world, I would say. And the third pillar of Incrementum is asset management or fund management, where we manage six investment funds, most of them in the commodities and gold space. We're very much focused on the mining space. And we also have two funds that combine gold with, let's say, digital gold. And the, the overarching investment thesis is very much influenced by the Austrian School of Economics. We are not only Austrian citizens, but we are also uh, very keen followers of um, the thesis of the Austrian economists that are um, gaining in popularity all over the world, but unfortunately not in Austria. So we published two books that explain the investment world, or, or let's say how Austrian economics can improve your investment framework and how it can add valuable tools to your toolbox. Now, gold is a very traditional asset. How come that you quite early on, I think since 2015 or so, you also cover Bitcoin or digital gold in your in Gold We Trust report? How did you get acquainted or even fascinated by Bitcoin? Well, I would say that that people in the libertarian camp, of course, of course, they are very critical when it comes to fiat money, to our monetary system. They are very critical when it comes to to all sorts of interventions, and therefore, I think uh, within the libertarian camp, there were quite a lot of early adapters and 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 and, and innovators to be found that heard about Bitcoin, started investing in Bitcoin, learned about Bitcoin, started researching the topic. So I think, Mark, in 2012 or 2013, we bought our first Bitcoins. To be honest, back then, we, we wouldn't have expected that, you know, one day we would be trading at 
$38,000 and we would be speaking of a bear market in Bitcoin. So nobody would have believed that that we are going into this direction. But I think, you know, for, for us, it's been a very, very entertaining and especially enlightening journey because we met so many bright people, so many ambitious people with fantastic ideas, young people that really want to change the world, to improve our monetary system, to offer solutions in this monetary mess that we are in. So so for us, it's always been something that we aimed for was, was to combine digital gold with physical gold. And we started that process early on. And as you know, being a thought leader or an early adapter, a first mover, let's put it that way, always sounds sounds really cool, but it also means lots of work. So, so we had plenty of meetings with the financial market authorities, with our fund administrators and so on, because they actually, they had no idea what to do with this Bitcoin thing. Because you know there there wasn't any regulatory framework, so so it took a while, and and now we're quite happy that we are managing two funds now that that combine the traditional gold or precious metals world with crypto assets. Mark, uh, sometimes I have the impression that there are kind of two camps: the gold bucks, the old traditional ones, and then the digital natives who let's say, fully bet on Bitcoin. From your personal perspective, how would you describe the specific advantages and disadvantages of physical gold versus Bitcoin? Yeah, I think you're right. One can definitely uh, observe uh, a little bit of a discussion and uh, controversy between these two assets. Generally speaking, I think both of those assets are very emotional assets. So you either love them or hate them oftentimes. But um, in social media, uh, I think it is, is discussed very fiercely. What is the better gold? Is it digital gold or is it physical gold? But I think uh, what also has to be said on, on, on that front, there's actually a quite a large camp uh, in between, which is not as loud perhaps in, in the social media discussions, which actually is not so dogmatic, but rather pragmatic when it comes to these two assets. And and actually has allocations to both. When it comes to the, the comparison, I think one obviously has to uh, separate Bitcoin and the crypto space from all the other assets. And the narrative that Bitcoin is, is digital gold is, I think, well received. It's not universally received, but it, it is generally perceived this way. And we see it this way. We see it's digital gold with potential for being also a medium of exchange. Last year, uh, we saw a lot of encouraging developments in this direction. But when it comes to advantages and disadvantages, probably first characteristic which is always referred when it comes to these assets is its scarcity so both assets are scarce we like the term both assets are non-inflatable so one cannot inflate the supply of either gold nor bitcoin at will and we also have the opinion that bitcoin was somewhat designed or modeled in, in terms of its supply curve on, on gold. So that's something which is obviously the first characteristic. Bitcoin has an advantage in this perspective. It has absolute scarcity. 
So we, we know there will only be 21 million units at one point. We don't know the, the absolute amount of gold which will be available, but also that's often not known so well outside of the gold community at least. Gold is also very scarce and uh, its growth is very predictable. So the gold supply grows with 1.5% roughly, and it has been doing so for a very long time. Currently, it's growing pretty much with the same uh, rate as Bitcoin. But as we all know, Bitcoin's growth is halving uh, every four years. So that, this is a little bit of an advantage when it comes to Bitcoin. But it's not the only characteristic which one, I think, should look at. If we talk about fungibility and portability, that would also speak for Bitcoin, right? Right. That would speak for Bitcoin, I agree. So there are advantages on various fronts for Bitcoin. We acknowledge that. On the other hand, there are some advantages also for gold when it comes to anonymity. nominate. It is also, I think, quite interesting when one thinks about the energy intensity for the creation of gold or, or Bitcoin. That's both a high uh, energy intensity which we, by the way, don't see as a disadvantage because that actually makes uh, these assets scarce. But when it comes to the maintenance of the system, in the case of Bitcoin, one actually needs also energy to maintain the Bitcoin network. And this is not the case with gold, obviously. Once it is created, it doesn't uh, consume any, uh, any energy anymore. So that would speak for gold in our view. So there, there are quite a few points which one can discuss at this front. When it comes to portfolio construction, that's also an interesting thing for investors. And since we are fund manager, that's a big part of our thought process. These two assets actually are pretty low correlated. That's a very interesting property when it comes to uh, creating a portfolio. And a last point which I want to mention in, in this regard is obviously volatility. So the maximum drawdowns, which I think is a little bit a better risk parameter than, than standard deviation, which is often used, is obviously much, much higher when it comes to Bitcoin. Bitcoiners often don't seem to care. That's a fair point. But still, in practice, if one has a short or medium investment horizon, then obviously high um, max drawdowns are a disadvantage because it's, it's very difficult to save or invest in, in, in Bitcoins for the shorter term because everything can happen in, in a few months' time or even in, in, in one or two years' times. Historically, one could have been down minus 90 or minus 80 percent. And if one really needs the capital in, in the shorter term, it's, it's just not a feasible way to go with a 100% Bitcoin portfolio. And, and therefore, the combination, I think, gets interesting. If you talk about volatility or drawdowns of Bitcoin, I think you uh, somehow address this topic also in your latest publication, the Bitcoin Shardbook 2022. Quite interesting piece. We'll, uh, we'll provide a link in our show notes here for, uh, for our listeners. And... Um, there are a couple of findings uh, in this chart book and, and some of them you already mentioned. But I'd like to pick one out of uh, this, which I find especially interesting, which is uh, the expected impact of the next Bitcoin halving on the price development. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on what your thoughts are in this direction? Yeah, happy to do so. So the chart book was actually titled, Is this halving cycle over? 
and we published this chart book in December last year. And we came to a relatively bullish conclusion, but we actually formulated three different scenarios. But obviously what we were referring to is the halving cycle according to the very well-known model by Plan B. So the stock to flow model, and we have been seeing since the creation of Bitcoin, actually only two full halving cycles, which did perform pretty similarly. So we had in one case, 12 months after the first halving, we had the peak after a great bull run. And second halving, it was uh, 17 months after the halving. But in both cases, basically between one and one and a half years, one had tr tremendous performance and which was correctly predicted by the model. This kind of repeated itself in this current third full halving cycle. So we asked the question in December when we actually were pretty much at the same point as the, the second cycle with the later peak, is the cycle over? Which is obviously a very important question for investors. And we came to the conclusion that it is probably likely that we um, hadn't seen the, the peak of this cycle and that it's pretty likely that we see a delayed peak which should actually manifest itself in the first half of this year. But as I said, we formulated scenarios. So our bullish case was that the, the last peak in November hadn't been the final peak, but we are expecting a peak between 75K and 200K with a 60% point probability basically in, in, in the first half of, of this year. Obviously, we have other scenarios um, making up the other 40% and these are more, more bearish scenarios. So when it comes to risk management, uh, maybe a traditional investor might see gold as a lot less risky than the new digital gold. But I mean, risk management isn't necessary if you're investing in both asset classes. What's your approach really to doing this, especially with your new product offering? What we did is what we were looking at formulating a very sensible strategic asset allocation when it comes to physically and digital gold. And we wanted to basically turn the disadvantage of high volatility of crypto into advantage to an advantage for the investor. So what we did is we came to the conclusion that the strategic asset allocation of 75 percentage points in gold and 25 percentage points in, in Bitcoin is a very sensible allocation because actually the max drawdown wasn't higher in the combination as with the pure gold allocation. So basically, in other words, adding 25% Bitcoin to one's gold portfolio didn't increase the risk in terms of max drawdown, which is actually very impressive, I think, because obviously it increases the return significantly. So for a lot of more institutional-like investors, this is an important feature to, to have some kind of a risk um, profile, which they are used to. But more importantly, we wanted to, as I said, turn the disadvantage of volatility into advantage. And we do this in two ways. One, we rebalance the portfolio. That means when Bitcoin falls a lot in, in price, automatically our allocation also falls. So we are then in the comfortable position to, to take some of our capital from the physical gold and buy Bitcoin at lower prices. 
and vice versa. When Bitcoin increases in price rapidly, we take profits and uh, reallocate them to gold. So this is one very simple step, which everybody actually could do by themselves. What's a little bit more sophisticated, uh, we can do this also with an option overlay, which we uh, do with our fund strategy. And that enables us to harvest this volatility of the derivatives market. So we are actually harvesting income from option premiums and making basically an income-bearing asset out of a portfolio of two non-income-bearing assets. And I think this is actually quite significant because especially when one talks about gold, one of the main points of critique is it doesn't pay any interest. But this option overlay enables us to harvest premiums and basically generate cash flows. And we actually can pay income and we, we do pay income within the first two years. Basically, we were able to earn roughly 15% of cash flows. So I think this is quite significant in a 0% rate interest environment. Now that seems like a very liberal setup and it seems like a great product. It almost makes Bitcoin and gold seem like the same, uh, two sides of the same golden coin. Now, many economists, and especially as you mentioned already, people in the crypto Twitter and Twitter space generally in social media are, are trying to push the narrative that gold will be replaced by Bitcoin to a large extent or that they're mortal enemies. But your narrative is more that of a peaceful coexistence. So what makes you confident in a future where both assets really have their solid place in an investor's portfolio, like, for example, with your offering? Well, I, I think it's it's a bit childish that there's the Bitcoin camp and the gold camp and both camps don't like each other and they're a bit jealous and tons of memes and, and, and jokes. From my point of view, the, the camps are pretty similar when it comes to their main thesis. And therefore, they should argue mostly with the fiat camp that is significantly bigger still. And although we're really seeing quite, let's say, interesting events on the macro side, both from a fiscal but also from the monetary side, it is still pretty much of a contrarian topic to question our monetary system and to talk about the consequences of inflation and so on. So there are many, many similarities. And from our point of view, we hold gold for stability and Bitcoin for convexity. So it's perhaps some sort of a, a barbell strategy that we're doing, something that I think Nassim Taleb also proposes in, in his writings, although he switched his view on Bitcoin quite recently. Nevertheless, I, I would say that going forward, I mean, we, we all know that gold has a pretty solid history and it did a very good job to, to protect the purchasing power. And, and I think, you know, due to the Lindy effect, we, we all know that. I, I wouldn't believe that over the next couple of decades or, or, or centuries that gold will completely lose this status as a hard currency, as hard money. When it comes to Bitcoin, it, it did a tremendous job over the last couple of, of years. I think that, you know, there are basically three parameters that are essential. It's, it's price, it's volatility, and the correlation with other assets. But in the case of Bitcoin, there's basically a fourth dimension, which is the adoption rate. And, and if we study the adoption rate, 
I think chances, let's say in 10 years from now, that Bitcoin will be zero are significantly lower than chances that Bitcoin will be worth uh, a million bucks or, or even more. So from this point of view, it's a very, very asymmetric trade. And if we have a look at central bank money creation, if we have a look at the, the debt situation with 280 trillion, I would say a strong case can be made for both monetary assets, for both currencies. And and I know that Mark and I having this quite pragmatic view, we're yeah, a little bit outsiders in the gold camp, but also in the Bitcoin camp, which is okay for us. But I made the, the comparison in your garage, you can have a, a super fast Ducati Panigale motorcycle, but you can also have a solid big Volvo SUV and you can drive from A to B with both. And of course, you know, it's much more fun on the Ducati. But as soon as it starts raining, as soon as it starts snowing, then you probably rather want to be in your Volvo SUV and not on your Ducati. But why not have both in your garage? So this is the strategy that we convey. We feel pretty confident that especially in times like these with the current market turmoil, it totally makes sense to harvest the volatility of Bitcoin at the moment to rebalance. And therefore, I think it's really a great combination. So to, to answer your question, what makes me confident that both assets will rather be uncorrelated or showing a negative correlation? I'm not 100% sure because uh, obviously Bitcoin is a very, very young asset class and those, those correlations, we mostly look at rolling correlations, they obviously change. But I think having two assets with a natural inflation rate of currently 1.6% in your portfolio in an environment where M2 money supply, for example, last year grew by 25%. So I think this relative scarcity, this is what really counts. And, and, and I think that more and more people will wake up Due to inflation, inflation now really is a topic again. And if inflation numbers will be more sticky than uh, mainstream economists and especially central bankers believe, and this is our main thesis, obviously, then I think there will be a gigantic uh, reallocation of assets. Because let's face it, over the last 40 years, inflation has not been an issue. So, you know, a traditional risk parity portfolio going forward might have some real trouble if inflation is really poised to be higher than the, the market would expect. So, so therefore, I think it's a great outlook for our range of products and we're pretty confident going forward. Okay, so that means if we have this, whatever, 10 to 12 trillion US dollar gold market currently, you would say Bitcoin and gold together are now yeah, exploring or exploiting a growing market so that it is not that they are kind of fighting for the same piece of the cake. And this gives you confidence that there's no negative correlation, but that both assets can, can grow, right? I think that sums it up very well. And actually that one could observe exactly this during the last years, perhaps not so much year 2021, 20, uh, 
but say for instance 20, 2017 to 2020 where gold also increased a lot in terms of value and the market cap of gold increased uh, as well did bitcoin so the, the quest for non-inflatable assets, I think, is an increasing one. And the longer this inflationary uh, environment uh, is, is, is staying, the more investors will seek out this kind of asset classes. And that's why we really like the term non-inflatable assets. And, and both are non-inflatable, both are pretty liquid. And this is very compatible in our view. I have one more technical question on your physical and digital gold fund. I mean, you talked about the allocation, 25% Bitcoin, 75% gold, how you rebalance. In what assets are you investing with this fund? Are you buying on the spot market? Do you hold Bitcoins physically? Or is all you do... A kind of der derivatives play. We actually have two strategies out there. One is for professional investors only. The advantage of that one is that we invest in physical assets, so physical gold and also what's called physical Bitcoin. And this is basically only available for, for professionals, as I said. And what we can do is we can do also an, an option overlay, which I alluded to already previously. We have a second strategy, which has a little bit of a more aggressive, more dynamic, let's call it dynamic asset allocation. And it's also available for, for the general public. And that has an asset allocation of a third in, in gold, a third in silver, and the third in crypto, note crypto. So we invest in securities in this fund strategy in order to have public fund. It has to be a security fund and therefore uh, one cannot invest in physical gold and physical Bitcoin in a public fund. But I think both have advantages and disadvantages. One is more, more dynamic, as I said, from its asset allocation point of view. The other one is perhaps more conservative and has its focus on, on store of value, whereas in the, the public strategy, it's a, a broader mandate. We have uh, altcoin allocation. We also have, as part of gold and silver allocation, miners to some extent. So it's really a broader mandate. In our view, both are very interesting strategies at this time. So you also invest uh, in altcoins? I mean, if we look at, at Bitcoin, it's a different asset than other crypto assets from investment thesis, from proof of work, proof of stake, ETC, from the consensus algorithm. But, but from a pure financial performance, I mean, Bitcoin grew like whatever, 60% in, in the last year, but Ethereum 400%. So if you talk about altcoins, uh, you also invest in Ethereum and other altcoins? Yes, in one strategy we do, in one we don't, basically. So the more conservative strategy uh, has a topic of store of value. And on the crypto side, we defined the universe of store of value coins very narrowly. It's actually apart from Bitcoin, in our view, Litecoin perhaps, or Bitcoin Cash. We had some small allocations in these two coins uh, tactically. But last year, we closed those positions when it became pretty clear that layer two solutions for Bitcoin seem to be working very well, especially what's going on in El Salvador and so on. So it's really no, no argument at all anymore in our view for alternative store of value 
coins right now. So in this strategy, we really only are exclusively in, in Bitcoin for the time being. And I can't imagine that this will change any, anytime soon. The other fund strategy has a broader mandate when it comes to Bitcoin. And there we have quite a, a significant allocation also towards DeFi coins. But these are all, as I said, as uh, security. So we invest in ETCs in order to gain the exposure on the crypto side here. Okay, that, that's very interesting. In the last part of our uh, talk here, we always ask a golden question. Since, since you are two guys here now, we would like to we have two golden questions uh, or even, even more. I, mean, I start with my one first and then Simon will follow. And this one goes to Mark. A golden question normally is something are, uh, are more challenging. We ask our our guests on the on the interview. So, but the question is really golden this time, <laughs> obviously. So, your predictions for this year or maybe for 2023? Will Bitcoin again outpace gold? And if so, for how long? Okay. Well, I think Bitcoin probably will outperform gold for part of the year. So if our scenario is correct, that we have a delayed halving cycle and the peak is in front of us, then obviously Bitcoin will, will outperform gold. But then probably at, at some point that would, will change. If, if gold will be uh, in front of Bitcoin at the end of the year, is, is a pretty difficult one in, in this kind of scenario. But I'd say yes. Then, Ronnie, my question for you is, in light of recent, well, at least talk of rate hikes, in light of the recent downturn in crypto markets, maybe unrest in Kazakhstan and so on, which assets really are on your personal shopping list for 2022? What do you think has the most golden ring to it at the moment? Well, well, I think last year was pretty easy, and especially if, if you're a stock investor. I mean, the, the S&P 500 made, I think, uh, 17 new all-time highs with very, very low volatility. So I like to make the comparison with skiing on a sunny day with uh, great snow. Everybody is a good skier, even even the Germans and, and even the Dutch. But, but when it gets foggy and icy, then you really can differentiate who's a good skier and who not. And, and I think this year will be tremendously more challenging than the last couple of years and and from my point of view i i was quite vocal saying that this, this will be the shortest and shallowest rate hike cycle in the history of the federal reserve i don't think that we will see seven rate hikes as i think morgan stanley or, or, or bank of america just announced so from my point of view the, the federal reserve is in a big trap because on, on the one hand they have to fight inflation and on the other hand they don't want to risk more turmoil in, in equity markets because we're now having u.s households hold equities worth 40 43 trillion so that's twice the US GDP so the dependence on high stocks stock prices and rising stock prices is higher than ever so this is the big catch 2022 20, that we are facing now to answer your question I, I see tremendous opportunities on the commodity side. We like nickel quite a lot. We like the copper space. We like the energy space in general, although I, I, I think it's a bit overbought at the moment. From my point of view, the fact that last year the Bloomberg Commodity Index was 27% up 
despite the fact that the dollar was very strong and despite the fact that China was very restrictive, that already shows you how strong this bull market in commodities is. I'm obviously quite confident when it comes to gold. Our analysis shows that that actually when it comes to rate hikes, it's very much of a sell the rumor by the fact. So in the last cycle, when Janet Yellen raised rates, actually on the same day of the first rate hike, gold made its low and then started its new bull market. So, so I like gold. I like the mining space a lot at the moment, the gold mining space. I think there's nice opportunities in the agricultural markets as well. When it comes to Bitcoin, you know, having a look at the chart, I'm not super excited yet. I had a look at, at the micro strategy chart this morning and I tweeted it out. It doesn't look too good. So I think there might be some pressure coming in for Michael Saylor going forward. But this is a normal and healthy correction within this bull market. So I think at some point there will be a panic law in Bitcoin and that has to be bought. So yeah, long story short, we're expecting much more volatility going forward. And I think commodities should offer a pretty decent risk reward. Before we close, I have one really, really super, super golden question for you, Ronnie. Um, I read your 11 predictions for 2022 and you already mentioned a couple of them. But then there was one which says Austria will not win the Football World Cup, right? Then my question is, will Rapid Wien this year, after so long time, become national champion again? N national champion? Uh, unfortunately not. That's No, unfortunately not. But sometime in the future, probably not the near future, we will make it again. But it's it's not easy being, uh, being an Austrian football fan and being a supporter of Rapid Wien. But it is what it is. <laughs> Okay. Now that was, of course, quite the mean question for the very end. Probably the <laughs> hardest of the entire interview. <laughs> but I mean, what are, what are your favorite clubs, if I may ask? I mean, I'm from Munich, so it's, it's not a big question. So it's 68 Munich. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm an old Borussia Mönchengladbach fan. Yeah? I, okay. I admit, yeah. mm -hmm. okay. No, and I don't like Bayern Munich too much. I shouldn't say this, but anyhow. <laughs> Uh, Mark, that a lot. Mark, what's your favorite football club? Yeah, I can't even spell the word. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously nothing we said here is any form of advice and should not be taken as such. Um, we're just voicing our personal opinions and having fun on the podcast as always. And uh, today, tonight was of course an especially big joy with our two golden boys, Ronnie and Mark. You guys, thank you so much for making it on the show. It was a real pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for hosting us, gentlemen. It's It's been a pleasure and, and yeah, all the best to you and your listeners. Thanks. Very welcome. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. Great. So, and to all our listeners, of course, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned and you can be looking forward to the next episode with a guest that will be just as amazing coming very soon. So stay tuned, stay loyal and listen to the Untitled Investment Talk. All signal, no noise. <laughs>